All right. Good morning, everybody. All right. That's not too bad. Not too bad. We should be feeling great with this weather outside, right? We shouldn't be lethargic for the humidity. It's all nice outside. It's getting us ready for fall, right? It's coming sooner rather than later, but it's so good to be able to be here together and so grateful that all of you have chosen to join us at Faith Church this morning. You could be doing a whole lot of awesome things, but I'm so grateful you guys are hanging out with us today, whether you're in person or online. We appreciate you being here. Uh, If you are new here, we'd love to welcome you uh, more formally. We'd love to give you a gift if you're in person. Miss Dawn in the back, make sure before you leave, you see her. She will hook you up with a free bag and uh, get you a whole bunch of good goodies for you before you get out of here today. If you're online, we want to give you a free gift as well. Make sure you let us know, hey, I'm new here. We're going to flag you. We're going to say, hey, let me get you a free gift. We want to thank you so much for being with us. If you have kids, we'd love for the kids to jump in on the experience too. So we have an awesome group downstairs that does Faith Kids, the whole experience every week. And it's a great environment from kids uh, three all the way up to 12, 13-ish. And they're in there every single week diving into uh, each other's lives and learning a little bit more and having a lot of games. It's a really cool experience. So if you're ever with us, we'd love to have them downstairs. Feel free to check them in with our great check-in team in the cafe. Or if you're online, we have a Faith Kids experience there for you too. Don't miss out on that. It's on our Facebook page. You can just click on the link and it goes to a video and you can watch it together with your family or watch it separately and come back and discuss. But it's a great opportunity to connect together in a little bit different way. Also, I want to invite you into a couple of different things we have going on over the course of the next few weeks. One of them is something that happens every week is Junction Cafe. It's our cafe experience that is open every single Saturday from 7 to 11. We highly encourage you to jump in on that. It's such an awesome experience. Great time to come together in a different setting and invite people into it. We serve lattes, cappuccinos. We serve cold coffee, cold lattes. Everything you could possibly want is there. So don't miss out on that experience. Come check it out each Saturday. Also, Junction has got some special events coming up, and one of them is a sip and paint, but we're not doing it with wine, we're doing it with coffee, all right? So if you want to express yourself in different ways, maybe you want to try your hand a little bit of a free, uh, freehand painting and, and getting into that experience, or maybe you just want to come and make a fool of yourself together with other people who are learning just like you, this is what this is for. So we want to promote this as Friday whatever the last Friday in August is. I don't have the date in front of me. So the last Friday in August, Sip and Paint, and we're going to hang out at six o'clock for about an hour and a half and start painting these projects out and having a great time in the cafe. So if that's something you think you're interested in, that's what that is for, right? We're talking about our lives being busy, being stressful, being worried, being anxious, all those things. This is a great way to kind of decompress, to get into something different, to fill your life with something that is going to fill you up in a good way and not drain you away, all right? So this is an awesome some opportunities. The last Friday this month. Next week, we're going to have sign-up sheet for you so you can put your name down so we can get up with you and make sure you have all the supplies you need that we will even help provide for you. So like, I don't have anything. We'll buy it all for you. That's totally fine. Just know that you can come and be a part of this that last Friday of the month. All right. Also, the Sunday after Ice Cream Sunday is August 28th. So immediately after our normal worship experience here on a Sunday, we're going to have ice cream immediately after for everybody, not just kids, but for adults, the whole it's going to be everybody eating ice cream together as we as we get ready to dive back into school, unfortunately, and we get ready to close summer down. We're going to go out with a bang with some great ice cream, all right? So don't miss out on that. And then immediately after, or pretty soon after that, a week or two after, we have our faith worship night coming up, all right? So if you love live music, we don't get to do it too often here on a Sunday, but we get to do it at night on Fridays, roughly about once a quarter. So we're doing it again Friday, September 9th at 6 p.m., all right? So Friday, September 9th, 6 p.m., hanging out together. We're going to do it for about an hour, hour and 15 or so. Live music, prayer, we're doing a communion, we're doing the whole thing all together. So put that on your calendar as well. You don't want to miss that. Friday, September 9th at 6, okay? So there you go. That's all the crazy stuff we have going on. And we also always each week want to give you an opportunity to jump in on that process. So first, if you're in need of anything, whether it be electric bill, gas bill, fuel, whatever the case is, maybe you have groceries you're in need of, let us know. Go to faithchurchvt.com. You can find all our contact info on the bottom. We will help you with whatever you need, or at least try our best to. 
Also, if you love to give, we'd love for you to be able to do, do that as well. Uh, the helping out with supplies for the sip and paint or doing everything we do in the community from Celebrate Panel Day to movie nights we've put on in the past or all those things are funded by your generosity. And we're so grateful you're partnering with us to make that happen. And so we want to continue to give you an opportunity to do that each week. And one of the ways uh, is to give fisc- uh, uh, physically rather up front in the baskets or you can give online, faithchurchbt.com. Press the give button. It's just that easy. It takes you through a process that takes like maybe a minute and a half, and you're ready to give online, which is what me and my family do. Uh, if you would, uh, excuse me, the one thing we also give towards each year, and one thing I want to start to promote more and more as we're getting closer to November, is Operation Christmas Child, all right? So this is a special ministry that we give to each year. We do this by collecting individual items that we have a big packing party at the end and try to pack out as many boxes as we can to be able to bless as many children as we can. So what I love to be able to do is show you a video about what that might look like when someone receives a box, because it's easy for us to say, yes, bring stuff in. We're going to bless kids with Christmas presents. It's another thing to see the other side of the story and to get an impression of how that impacts someone's life in a very real way. And so we got a video we're going to show. And then after that's done, we'll get into our message this morning. So go ahead, Jane, let's hit that. Right. So Operation Christmas Child is something we strive to do each and every single year, and we try to pack as many as we possibly can. Uh, we've hit up to or 75, I think, one year we did. So it all revolves around you be able to give uh, towards that effort. So next week, we're going to have a sign-up sheet for you so that you can give specifically towards boxes we have, whether that be for girls ages 0 to 3 or boys uh, 10 to 11, whatever the case is. We're going to have those listed and what we need so we can really put a big effort into getting as many boxes filled as we can to touch as many lives as we possibly can. And I'm so grateful for you guys doing that with us each and every single year. So I pray this year is just as big as every other year we've done it. All right. Speaking of generosity, one of the things I always stress to you guys isn't about giving money. It's about giving time, right? And we're going through this series called Overcomers, Moving from Surviving to Thriving, because we all are wrestling with time, aren't we? Most of us are going through a series of our lives where we're super, super busy or wrestling with this busyness aspect, right? So I want us to talk about that today. But before we do, I want us to talk to each other by answering this question of one another. And it's this. It's really easy. When you were a kid, what was the one thing you loved doing? Just one thing. I don't, there's probably a lot of things you loved as a kid. But what's one thing as a kid you loved doing? All right. So we're going to take a five-minute break. Ask and answer that question of each other, and then get some coffee, get some snacks, and then come back, and we're going to answer it together, all right? All right, everybody, here we go. Here we go. You've been, uh, you've been having a great conversation, I hope, as we're looking over this question. When you were a kid, what was the one thing, or at least just one, not the one thing, just one thing you loved doing as a kid? So uh, Dave is going to help us out this morning because uh, Kathy and Rich, maybe you're watching there in Pennsylvania today, so he's going to help us out. So as you have the answers, go ahead and start giving them to us. Put your hand up and he'll find you. There we go in the back. Miss Julie's going to start us off. I lived near uh, Air Base, Griffiths Air Force Base in New York, and... We always went there about once a week with my dad and mom sometimes, both. But usually my dad to watch the airplanes take off and land. Yeah, awesome. Very cool. always appreciate the airports that have those little observing areas. Go ahead, Dave. I used to uh, be the first one home when I was about 10 or 11, and I was there for an hour. And so like any you know, reasonable 10-year-old, I'd play with fire. <laughs> <laughs> and I would set up all my, all my Army guys in, in the side yard of my house in, in two different forts and we'd have a big battle and I had friends that had, you know, could get me firecrackers and <laughs> my dad's pellet gun and a little bit of gasoline and the whole, you know, whole thing the whole goes up. Just burned. Everybody lost. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Anybody else over here? Craig, uh, uh, Walt's in the back. Maybe we work our way up from the, there we go. We'll get Walt and then come back up. I used to love to go to work with my dad. All right. Yeah. You know, and he'd have to work Saturday or he'd get called out when he's worked for the state or something. Mm. I'd pile right in there, go with him, you know. Nice. I loved it. Awesome. Thank you, Walt. All right, here we go. I'm going to speak for all of us here. We were all talking because I didn't have a nickel when I was a kid. Yeah. yeah but uh, we all enjoyed mostly playing marbles and flying kites as kids. Marbles and kites, yes. Yeah, that was there you go. That really look forward to. Nice. We got two other gentlemen here that was children in Jamaica. They loved cricket. They played cricket oh, yeah. every day. Absolutely. So. Very cool. Nice. I've never played cricket before, but it looks fun. <laughs> 
Uh, when I was young and had a lot of time, I used to enjoy reading books, and the library was really close to where I grew up, so I could walk back and forth, so I was a Perfect. frequent visitor to the library. Awesome. There you go. Love that. There you go. I used to like playing with Barbies, of course. Of course. And of course, I was bad, and I cut my sister's Barbie's hair off, so their Barbies were uglier than my Barbie. <laughs> I appreciate the honesty. <laughs> I like the fact that um, as kids, we grew up right in North Pownell, and our community would always get together. All the kids could go out, and their parents didn't worry about where we were. We could go out, you know, at a certain time in the morning, go to the ballpark, play kickball together, kick the can, whatever we were doing. And, you know, there's a certain time we needed to be home, but mom and dad didn't have to worry about where we were, and just that community is what I really love growing up. Nice. Awesome. All right, anyone else? Dawn in the back, and then we'll come back up to you, Kim. So we had Kelly online who said she loved doing anything she could with her dad. Nice. And I can relate to that. I loved spending time with my family. Yeah. But my answer was, um, and still is, that I love singing. Nice, singing, yeah. That's something you can do everywhere, right? That's perfect. Okay, we had a couple more up here. Kim did, who else? Kim's up front, there we go. <laughs> Well, Jen and I were talking, and we both loved to dance and listen to music. And I can remember the first album I ever bought was Diana Ross and the Supremes. Wow. And I'd go in my room and put that on the player and just listen to that for hours. Nice. Maybe dance a little bit, too. Who Maybe knows? dance. <laughs> Very cool. Anyone else? One thing you loved doing as a kid. There we go. Shannon's got us. I used to love to roller skate in our basement, oh, yeah. listening to Hippie Hippie Shake for hours. <laughs> roller skating in the basement. Interesting. All right. I love it. Anybody else? It's all good. So good. All right. Thank you so much, David, for doing that for me on the spot this morning, brother. Awesome. It's really hard to narrow down one thing, right? I mean, maybe you had that experience as you're talking through several things maybe in your life that you did. So I had a really hard time narrowing it down to this week, but I settled on swimming. I loved going. We talked about, me and uh, Shannon talked earlier about the, the long, hot summers in Georgia. And so you have to get creative in how you cool down if you're not just going to live inside all day long. And so uh, swimming was our escape. Uh, and I love going to the pool and, and swimming just day in and day out. I couldn't get enough of it. Matter of fact, those memories are still so strong that I can just remember so many of those things 30 years later, just like they just happened yesterday. It's just crazy how your mind works. But as much as I love swimming in the pool, we didn't have one at the house, right? So we didn't have the availability just to go jump in in, in the backyard or the front yard or wherever. We had to, to travel to do it. And luckily, my father or stepfather worked for a nuclear power plant, and one of the perks was this recreation area, right? So they had a huge space where it had uh, picnic tables and, and playground equipment, and they had this large pool that had a bathhouse attached next to it. So you had bathrooms and you had showers and things like that. So it was just this awesome experience, right? So we could go and we could drive to the pool and we could stay as long as we want, as long as mom had time to take us, right? That was the limiting factor, right? My time wasn't my own when I was a kid, as most of you understand, right? And so you have to sometimes live on the whims of others. And so uh, I cherished those trips, though, more because of that, because I couldn't just jump in. I always looked forward and begged mom, All right, please take us to the pool so we can go, right? So it was always on her time, though. And now as an adult, I have all the time, right? It's all mine. I get to choose what I do with it, but I find I rarely spend it doing the things I love, right? Anybody there with me? You don't do it the things you, you cherish. You do it the things you have to do, right? So now don't misunderstand. I love what I do. My, my, my career, my, what I do here is awesome. I mean, I quit my very well-paying federal job to come and do this. So obviously there's some love attached to it. But even though I love what I do, I still don't find to do time to do all the things that I want. I find my days over full and out of time more often than not. Kevin DeYoung in his book called Crazy Busy, he says it best. He says, you and I, we all have this problem. Most mornings we drag ourselves out of the bed we start the day's routine, and we hope against hope that we can simply just hold our ground, right? Maybe we can keep the house in just a mild state of disaster, right? Maybe we can break even on the to-do list. Maybe no one's going to get sick. Man, that is my daily fear in my house. Please don't let anybody get sick because everybody's going to get it. Maybe the inbox won't get full any further, right? Maybe we won't fall asleep after lunch. Maybe, maybe, just maybe, we can get enough done in the next 18 hours to beat back that beast of busyness and live to see another day. We wake up most days not trying to serve, just trying 
to survive, right? We're all busy, right? I mentioned last week that author Tim Chester has these 12 diagnostic questions to identify if we're busy or not, because sometimes you think, well, maybe I'm not as busy as it seems, or maybe other people are way busier than me, so maybe it's not that bad, right? So let me give you a few of these, because I think we need to, again, drill down to make sure we understand, are we really busy or not, right? And so let me give you these again, and if you answer most to, uh, yes to most of these questions, then you're probably too busy, all right? So let me give these to you. One is, do you regularly work 30 minutes a day longer than your contracted hours? You might remember that from last week, right? Do you check work emails and phone messages at home or after your hours too, if you work at home, right? Do your family and friends complain about not getting enough time with you? Do you often feel tired during the day or do you find your neck and shoulders aching? Do you find that you often exceed the speed limit, right? Yeah, that's about everybody here, right? Uh, Do you eat together as a family or a household at least once a day? If you answer yes to to most of those questions, you're probably too busy. I think that's helpful because it really helps redefine in our lives what busy means, right? Because I think we would sacrifice some of these things and say, no, 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 we just don't do that as a family or everybody speeds or all those things. So I'm not too busy, but I think these are helpful definers to say, if you're saying yes to most of those, you're busy too busy. And you're not alone. Here's the thing. Many of us are either in that pattern now, have been recently, or will be again. And it's frustrating because many of us, and hopefully none of us, want to be there, right? Nobody wants to be too busy with their lives, I don't think. Matter of fact, I was looking up some synonyms, right? Because I was thinking about how would people describe you if you were really busy, right? Or describe me. And here's a few synonyms for busy. None of them are great, by the way. Unavailable, buried, hustling, overloaded, and occupied. That's synonyms for busy. So if someone has described your life that way, man, you know you've got it bad, right? And I know none of us would like to describe our lives like this. We want to describe them in words like this, value, right? We want to say we are valued or we have a valued life. We want to say our lives are filled with purpose. We want to say our lives are filled with meaning, but that's not where most of us are at. And like I said earlier, while we understand that, I think on a theoretical level, we still try to justify it, don't we? We say in our minds, man, everybody's busy, so I'm not exceptional, right? Or it's just busy for right now, and it'll not be busy later. Or all business can't be that bad, right? I mean, it's good to be busy. If I'm not busy, what am I doing? I'm being lazy, right? So we justify these things away. So we need these constant reminders to say that busyness is both dangerous and deceptive. You're going to have to kill busyness or it's going to kill you, all right? Because most of us fall into this pattern of this, this, this system here. Let me, let me explain it to you. Most of us get involved in a few things too many, and then we get overloaded and overwhelmed, right? And then we feel trapped. And then we just say, man, I just need a, an out. I need a vacation. I need something off my plate. I just need a little break so that I can get a little breather here. And we swear if things just calm down, we'll never overextend ourselves again, right? And so we retreat often to the point of eliminating things in our lives we shouldn't, but we retreat back in every relationship that was helpful for us, we kind of cut off, and we only do the vital, the necessary, like work or spouses, the things we just can't avoid, right? And then life gets a little more bearable, a little more breathing room happens, and then we forget about how bad that was when we were so busy, and then we do it all over again, right? That's how most of us live our lives. And when we're doing that, what we probably don't realize is that when we're super busy like that, we're joyless wretches. We are. All right, let's go ahead and admit it right now. If you can't admit it to yourself, let me tell you, I'm a joyless wretch. You probably are too. Nobody wants to be around you when you're super busy because you're snapping at people. You're tired. You don't ever find peace and joy. Busyness is dangerous. It's dangerous. And it's also deceptive. It's also deceptive because while I said earlier that I don't think any of us want to classify ourselves as busy, I do think there's some attractiveness to busyness. I think there's really this deceptive thing going on because the presence of activity covers problems, doesn't it? What we do and how much we do becomes this hedge against emptiness. Matter of fact, author Tim Kreider, who writes for the New York Times, once wrote, obviously your life cannot possibly be silly. It cannot possibly be trivial. It cannot possibly be meaningless if you're so busy, if you're completely booked, if you're in demand every hour of the day. And work is a big piece of this puzzle. People might question if you're really busy outside of work, right? You say, oh, yeah, really? You, you can't make time for me? You're really that busy outside of work? But you'd say that I'm swamped at work, and you're totally off the hook, right? Everybody would give you that out. You got to work, right? 
You do. But you also need to be honest with yourself. Is work, like any other part of busyness in our lives, is something that's forced on you, something that you have to do for all the hours you're given? Or is it something you just accept? Like, I gotta, I gotta be the one who's gotta do it because nobody else is gonna do it, right? Or something you secretly maybe even enjoy. Maybe. There's this term I found this week. And you could say, man, there's no way. Who, who's walking around enjoying work? But there's a term I found this week that makes really good sense to me. It's called work addiction. Work addiction. Now, work addiction is, is just like it sounds. It's this unhealthy obsession with your job. And we need to identify this too because it's, we need to make sure it's not us. Work addiction is noted in people if they typically think of ways they can free up time for more work. So maybe that would be you. Or you work in order to reduce guilt, right? You feel if you're not working... you feel guilty for not working. Or you've been told to take off time from work, but you decline it. Or when stress, or excuse me, when you're not working, when you're sitting at home, you're thinking about ways to work and or your stress rises because you can't work. If you're any of those things, you might be addicted to work. And that sounds crazy, right? And some of you might say, yeah, I'm addicted to work. That's fine, whatever, it's good, right? But is it really? Work addiction, business in general, is attractive, it's deceptive because it gives us this false sense of meaning and value. I'm not saying what you do is not important. I'm not saying what you do to provide for your family is not valuable. But I am saying that busyness and work addiction can trap you into things to give you a false sense of security. See, we stay busy, we work constantly, normally because we're afraid to confront our fear of loss. Normally. Our fear of what might happen if we don't do enough, right? Our insecurities and need of acceptance and approval just drives us to fill up our lives with things that on the outside seem really valuable and make us feel that way, but maybe, maybe they're not all they cracked up to be. So how do we deal with this? Work addiction, busyness, all these things that overload us, that fill up our time and cover up problems in our lives so we don't have time to really live life to the fullest instead of we just live life full. How do we work past that? How do we get past busyness and into abundant life to go from surviving to thriving? I got three different ways we can do that today. We got some little things we're going to have to either limit or eliminate. We have three big things we're going to uncover. And then we have one thing we have to really focus on. All right. So little things, big things, and one thing we're going to focus on. Okay. So first, the little things. And some of you might say these are not little when we're going through them, but I'll list them as little things because I think they can be handled quickly. This is by no means, by the way, a comprehensive list. It's just a good starter. All right? So what do you do if you want to get unbusy? One, eliminate the P's. Eliminate the P's. Pride in people-pleasing. Two P's you got to get rid of. The pride of busyness is this. When you're working, when you're busy, when your day and life is full of things, we look really good, don't we? We look really, really important. Because busy people are important people, right? It may appear that way, but if you ask someone who, if you think you're important, you ask someone, what do I come off as? Most of the time people are going to say you're unapproachable. I can't get to you. You're too busy doing other things, right? But that allure of importance still drives us, right? That feeling of importance drives us to keep going because if I don't do this, what am I, right? And so we keep doing and doing and doing because that's what makes me who I am. That's what gives me my value. And oftentimes we start to overestimate our value in that moment, don't we? We begin to get into, again, that work situation or just life and say, if I don't do this, if I don't take care of my work, if I don't take care of my family, if I don't be there for my kids, no one's going to be. No one's going to be. Everything depends on me. You been there? I've been there. The truth is, for most of us, at least at work, although I think this goes to more of our lives than we want to admit, most of us are not irreplaceable. All right? The truth is you're only indispensable until you say no. Because I guarantee you, you find your work situation. If you say no, they're probably not going to fire you because they can't find anybody to hire now anyway. But two, they're just going to say, okay, and they'll go to the next person who's going to say yes. All right? You're only indispensable until you say no. And while that sounds harsh, I think it's actually freeing. I think it's freeing because the universe, even our small little portion in the worlds we exist in here in Palinal, doesn't depend solely on us. And that's a good thing. That's a great thing. But you have to eliminate the pride first. Two, you have to eliminate the people-pleasing, 
All right, that's, another, that's the second P you have to eliminate. We become busy because we do too many things, right? That's fairly self-obvious, right? Why do we do so many things? Because we say yes to too many people. Now, this may sound odd coming from me. I ask you to say yes to a lot of things, right? I'm always asking, hey, can you come help? Can you do this? We need to get together. I'm giving you all these commitments that I'm trying to get you to say yes to, right? And we'll cover what that is in a minute, the purpose behind that in a minute. But right now, what I want you to understand is that we do too many things because we say yes to too many people. And we say yes to too many people for the wrong reasons. We say yes to too many people because we want their approval or fear their disapproval. Helping out of the food pantry so you can love others, that's a great thing. You should say yes to that, right? Helping out of the food pantry because you want others to love you isn't a good thing. One way to diagnose and eliminate the people-pleasing is to ask yourself this, am I trying to do good or to make myself look good? Now, that can be a hard, very fine, very thin line. But I want you to dive into yourself for a little bit this week and say, man, am I, re- am I doing this because I really love others outside of myself and I'm not doing it because of them, I'm doing it because I love them or am I doing it because I need them to love me? What's the answer to that question? If you can eliminate the people pleasing, you can start saying no to a lot of the things you don't have to say yes to because you're not seeking their approval in it. Eliminate your pride, eliminate the people pleasing. Two, and the, uh, this is, that's, there's two together, that's one. Number two is don't cave to your kids. Yeah, I'm gonna get a lot of hate on this one, but that's okay. Don't cave to your kids. There's this interesting research number out there that says our kids are safer than ever, but parents are more anxious than ever. That's interesting, right? We live in a time where we believe as parents the future happiness and success of our children trumps over every single possible thing in our entire lives, right? That is our number one priority, our children. We live with our kids as if everything in our life depends, or everything in their life rather depends solely on us solely on us. It's just us, just you or you and your spouse if you happen to be with somebody, right? Writer Joseph Epstein calls what we are doing in our lives today, calls it kindergarchy. It's ruled by children, right? He says, an arrangement where parents are little more than indentured servants attending to their children as if the descendants of the sun king, right? We fear everything we do that's wrong is going to ruin their lives. And we think, man, if I just give them the right conditions, say the right words, do all the good things that they need, then they're going to grow up to be this this perfect. I'm going to get great results. They're going to live a better life than I led. Right? That's what we think. And while parents obviously have an impact on our kids, it's not quite always what we think it is. One study found, they they took a a study of 1,000 students. They asked them to rate their parents. Don't ask my kids to rate me, by the way. But they did this study. They asked their students to rate their parents. And the biggest parental failing wasn't spending time with them or wasn't engaging with them. The biggest parental failing was anger management. 40% of the kids they surveyed gave their parents a failing grade on controlling their temper. You see, what happens is we try to do a lot with our kids, and I get it. We try to make sure the kids have everything we did. We try to make sure the kids are well-rounded. We try to make sure they're not only educated, but, but you know, healthy. And we try to feed them right and teach them right and do all these things to give them the right conditions so they'll turn out better than we did. But the research found that our kids, as we're striving to do all, th- all those things for them, suffer from secondhand stress. Secondhand stress. By trying to do so much for our kids, we're actually making them less happy. That's an interesting fact. It'd be better if we didn't plan so much, if we didn't get involved in so many activities, if we didn't uh, spend so much time with our kids. Maybe I should take a break from your kids. That's okay, right? Because the truth is, kids will remember your character long before they're going to remember your rules or your activity. And so if you're busy trying to run around and fill all your time up with them, you may actually be hurting them than helping them. And so whenever he comes to your kids and they come up to you and say, hey, can I do this? Let me do this. Let me do this. Our temptation is to say, yes, let me do those things for you because they didn't get done for me and I want to do these things for you. Or yes, but I don't want you to feel bad or maybe think I'm a bad parent. And so we say, yes, 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 yes. What I'm saying is learn to say no. And let me tell you, if you say no, your kids aren't going to stop loving you. 
Your kids aren't going to become these, these creatures who are just degenerates. They're not going to go off and become horrible people because you said no to them. None of that's going to happen. None of that's going to happen. What's going to happen is they're going to become less codependent on you. They're going to become more independent and learn how to work things out for themselves. And you're going to have more time that's less stressful so that when you are actually with your kids, you're not stressing out over getting them from one thing to the next thing to the next thing, but you're actually investing in their lives in the moment and not stressed out about where to get them next or what to do next or what's happening next week. You're right there in the moment with them because you can say no to some things, to say yes to a better thing. Pride and people-pleasing, eliminate all the yeses you say to your kids. Don't cave to your kids. Three is a really easy one. You say those two are supposed to be the little things, right? That's not a little thing. That's a big thing. But this one should be easy. Three is limit your electronics, all right? This is so simple. We all know this. We just don't do it. So I'm not going to spend a lot of time here because if you don't know it by now, you're not going to get it. I will encourage you, limit your screen time, electronic time, any of that. Set a time each day, once a week, whatever the case is, completely disengage from your phone, from a tablet, from a TV, from anything that you own that plugs into anything. Get rid of it. Get away from it. Set a time. I don't mean just once a week. Each day, set aside a time that does that. All right? Now, you might have to smart, start small on this because I think more often than we want to admit, we're probably addicted to our screens too. I almost guarantee you that in the moments you've been sitting here, listening to me talk, and you're like, man, is he going to shut up? And I'm not even halfway through yet. And you're thinking through these things. You're getting on, you're thinking about, man, what's my phone doing, right? Where is my phone? It's over there, right? And I'm thinking, man, is that notification hit? Who, who messaged? Who's, who's emailing me? Who's doing all these things? And you hear a little ding, 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 bzz, 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 and it's happening in your mind, even if it's not physically happening on your phone. I have days where I'm in my office and my phone's on the other side of the room. Sometimes it's even other part of the building, and I'll swear I hear it go bzz, I promise you, I hear it, and I go and check it, and it's not, but my mind has been preconditioned to say, means go get it. I'm like a dog with a treat, man. I'm just right on it, and that's, that's good if I'm actually being productive, but I'm not. I'm not. Those thousands of little distractions are preventing you from accomplishing one good thing in a day, all right? They promise you they are, so I'm not going to dwell on it. Turn off your phones, turn off your TV, and watch as you're magically less busy than you ever have been before. That alone right there is going to be a big difference maker. Four, this is going to be an odd one. Clean your room. Clean your room. Now, what does cleaning have to do with time? What does cleaning have to do with time? Anybody want to guess? What does the clean room have to do with how much time you have? Organize. All right. Any other suggestions? Get rid of clutter. Get rid of clutter. Okay, yeah, guess what? All the things you have take up space in your brain. They don't just take up physical space, they take up space in your mind. And let me give you a very alarming stat, all right? For Americans anyway, here's a very alarming stat. The average home in America has roughly 300,000 items in it. Average, all right, that's not everybody's here. Average home, 300,000 items in it. There are 88.6 square miles of self-storage facilities in America. That number's probably growing every day. That's three times the size of the island of Manhattan, all right? Self-storage facilities, three times the size of Manhattan. Americans have a lot of stuff, stuff. And having too much stuff affects your time because what you do is you spend time managing your stuff and not managing your time. This is how this works. I would guarantee it. Arthur Morgan Tyree, who has a book, Take Back Your Time, I'm going to give you this resource, or at least avail, offer it to you today. Give some great questions to help you clear out not only your physical clutter, but your mental, your emotional clutter. Because if you're dealing with all those things, even if you're not actively dealing with it in the moment, you think, well, I'm not running around taking care of all my 300,000 things every day. You might not be physically doing it, but mentally you're doing it. If you haven't cleared your mental baggage from all the abuse and the, and the things that's going on in your past, you're still dealing with that each and every day. You're busy, mind is busy working on those things. If you've you're got a whole bunch of emotional clutter in your life, you're still dealing with that busyness running around like a hamster in a wheel all the time, even if you're not actively thinking about it. Subconsciously, you're buried under stuff. Clean your room, and you'll become less busy. I guarantee it. Four things. Those are just the small things. Eliminate the peas, pride in people pleasing. Don't cave to your kids. Learn to say no. It'll be okay. Even your adult kids, let me clarify, even your adult children, 
I, I, I tell you, we say, we say this and you think, oh, little kids, right? You're talking about little kids. I'm talking about all children, all right? There's a reason why the Bible says when a husband gets married, he is supposed to leave and cleave. The family is supposed to separate and divide because what that does is allow that family to grow and thrive and learn how to live on their own and not to be sheltered and to be squashed and to have to be monitored by, on a, by a grandparent all the time. Now, I love grandparents. I'm not saying it's bad. I'm saying that sometimes we enable our adult children as much as we enable our small children. Stop it. They're not going to die without you. All right? They're not. I'm not saying don't help them. Don't talk to them. I'm just saying you can say no and it's okay. It's okay. Now, let me get past that. Some big things we have to uncover because if you're eliminating and and limiting those small things, you're going to need to uncover some of these big things to kind of redefine what you have all this time to do now, right? So here's what you need to do. Here's the thing. Without defining our intentions for our time, we'll all too easily spend it on things that don't align with our experience or what we want to accomplish, right? If you don't have a goal in mind of where you're going with your time, you'll just fill it with a bunch of junk, basically is what we mean here. So it comes down to this question. What do you want to do with your life and the time you've been given? Now, I know that sounds like a question you got in high school, and you're like, I don't want to answer that. Who knows? I'm 40, and I still don't know what I want to do with my life, right? But you need to figure out at least some portion of answer to that question because if you don't know the answer to what do you want to do with your life and the time you've been given, you will waste your time doing a bunch of things that mean nothing in the long run. Nothing. In Luke 10, 38 through 42, we're given a great example of someone who's kind of fine, defined who she is and what she strives to do. She's found what she wants to do with her life and the time that she spent with it. So let's dive into this because I want us to, to see this from a different perspective. It's Luke chapter 10, verse 38 through 42. We're only going to break down the first two verses first. If you have a Bible, you can turn there. It's going to be up on the screen. We're not going to dwell long on it, but I do want to bring this out today. Luke 10, 38 through 40 says this. It says, now as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village and a woman named Martha welcomed her into her house. And she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and, and listened to his teaching, right? But Martha, she was distracted with, with much serving and she went up to him and she said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her to help me, right? So here we have two different individuals. We have three different individuals in this, in this story. We have two that are really important. We got Mary we have Martha, right? Now, Martha gets a bad rap. If you've ever heard any of this story before, you normally have heard somebody say, Martha's this horrible person, that she got it all wrong. And we're going to see and uncover some things. But what I will tell you that Martha gets some things right. Martha gets some things right. Martha understood her purpose. She, want, she knew what she wanted to do with her life, and she was living it out. She was the determined person, which is great. Here she is. We can see in this story alone. She is practicing hospitality by inviting Jesus into her home. That means she has to be organized in order to invite someone over. Because I guarantee you, you go look at your house today. I can go look at my house right now, and it is not ready to have anybody over right now. And maybe that's just me, and I need to get over myself, and I will agree with you. But sometimes it's not ready for people. She was ready. So she had already organized her, she cleaned her room, she had found her purpose, she had dived into saying, I'm ready to host Jesus today. That's a great thing, right? She had welcomed him in. She was serving others through cooking, through cleaning, setting the table, getting refills. That is a great thing. She knew her role. She was ready and she was operating in it. This is perfect. This is exactly what she'd be doing. She was doing a lot of good things. And the big reason she had the ability to do that is because she's already discovered what we have to uncover, that she had discovered and was living out her purpose. She was living out her purpose. You see, to stop all the busyness and just filling your life with a bunch of stuff, you have to uncover and clearly identify your purposes in life right now. All of us, no matter who you are, have at least three, probably five, maybe more, but I want you to limit it down. Top three, top five purposes that cover everything in our lives. And uncovering and really naming them, identifying them, is going to remind you what you should be committing to when you schedule your time. Because if you don't have a goal, you'll commit to a bunch of things that's not going to help you reach your goal. But if you know where you're going, then you'll know what to say yes to and what to say no to, instead of just making it up as you go along. Now, if you don't know your purposes in life, you know, you can, you're going to be able to fill your times with things that's not going to fill you, so you've got to really dive into this today, right? This is nothing just to glaze over. And what these areas are, or what these purposes are, rather, are areas in your life you currently feel called to or big needs 
in your life. So within these purposes, we're going to see we have to have priorities, right? So you have purpose, priorities, and we're going to do one thing I hate that most people hate that I don't like doing, planning at the end, right? But purposes are what we're going to start with first. Uh, Morgan Tyree, again, she did this great book called Take Back Your Time. I'm going to let you get that before we get out of here today. She helped develop a system and she lists, lists her life as an example. I'm going to have it up on the screen for us, and it's going to be online for you too. So this is an example of how you identify your purpose and then your priorities underneath your purpose, all right, so you can better organize your life. First she had was home, right? Purpose was home. Go ahead and flip to that next screen, Jaden. So hopefully it'll be up there somewhere. There we go. Perfect. Home, right? So her first purpose in her life was making, managing and maintaining her home. That sounds fairly basic. We all have to do that, or most of us do, right? But she lists exactly what she's trying to accomplish when she's saying this. She's not saying, I'm just going to clean my house because I have to. She has a goal. She says, I will manage my home in such a way that is a sanctuary, that is a place of rest and relaxation for our family. That's a big goal. That's a big purpose. That purpose starts going beyond, well, I just want to clean house. Well, why do you want to clean house? Because I don't like dirty. Well, great. That's, I'm, great. I'm glad you're clean, but for what end? The end for her is so that she can have a place of rest and realization for her family. That'll change how you clean your house, won't it? That'll change why you get things ready for people who are coming over, if that's your goal. So she says how she does that, housework, food, meal planning, right? Finances, setting a budget and sticking to it. That's all how this works to make sure that she can accomplish that purpose, right? Number two, we'll skip to the next one. Relationships. She says, our purpose is to foster authentic and healthy relationships with my family and friends. Pretty basic stuff, right? All of us want to do that. How she does that, and I, she does give some little more clarification here. Marriage and parenting is our first priority in her life when it comes to her relationships. Daily dedicating time to her husband, her kids, demonstrating her love and commitment to them. That's first. Family and friends, connecting with those near and far to cultivate this relationship. That's important, Right? To, close, to create that closeness and community that she desires. That's her priorities. Third is personal. She lists five. I'm only giving you three, all right? Third is personal. Taking care of my health so that I can fulfill each of my other purposes. That's a purpose. That's a good purpose. She lists priorities within that. She says spiritual, spending time in prayer, reading my Bible, studying God's word to equip myself with discernment and direction, right? Self-care, expressing, reg or excuse me, exercising regularly to decrease stress and increase stamina. That's important. Hobbies, investing in activities that energize me. All those things are critical to identify, to say, I have to list these things out. I have to identify and list these because if you don't, you won't do any of these. You won't. And that's just three out of five she lists. And what this allows us to do is better, again, know what opportunity to say yes to and what to say no to because our goal in our life isn't to live empty lives, it's to live a life full of meaning and full of value, right? That's what we want. That's our goal. And having a set plan of purposes and priorities within those gives us the ability to do just that. That's exactly what this does. Now, I said earlier, and I warn you, setting purposes and priorities leads you to the last thing that we don't want to do. Most of us is plan. We don't want to plan. All right? Half of us in here aren't planners. All right? You know who you are. You're those ones who just fly by the seat of your pants, do whatever you want to do, and it's all good, and life just kind of happens, Right? And I'm not saying that you have to immediately become a proficient planner, but I am saying if you're overly busy, one of the reasons you are is because the more moving pieces your life has, the more pressing need you have to plan it out. Matter of fact, Proverbs 21.5 says this, the plans of the diligent will surely lead to abundance, but everyone who's hasty comes only to poverty. I'll reread that. The plans of the diligent lead surely to abundance, Surely. But everyone who's hasty comes only to poverty. You see, if you don't have a plan, you become a slave to the urgent. Test it out in your life. Don't have a plan, then start your day. And what's going to happen? There's always going to be somebody who's in need. There's always going to have somebody that has something to do. There's always an emergency of some sort somewhere. And you can try to solve all those biggest problems. You can always try to do the most fun thing that just popped up. You can always try to help the person who's loudest in your life. And at the end of the day, wonder why you're not getting anything done. You could live like that. Or you can plan your time to your purpose. And you could fill, or for, rather filter everything that wants to be done through what needs to be done. Because those are two different things. 
That's not to say you can ignore everyone and live selfishly. I'm not giving you the permission to do that. But what I am saying is that realizing you can't solve everybody's problems. And you can't do everything that everybody else is doing. And that's okay. As a matter of fact, that's great news. Because once you begin living a life with purpose and priority and plans, you'll find that you're going to have more time to do the things that you want to do. You're going to have more spontaneous time because focused time frees time. Focused time frees time. Now let's get back to Martha here. Martha with a bad rap normally, right? I said Martha's good in some ways, and she is. Martha was living within her purpose. She was managing her home well enough. She could afford to have this impromptu dinner party when Jesus just shows up. That's great. She was trying to navigate her family purpose with her sister Mary, who wasn't helping her, right? She was trying to do her best here. And and while those are both admirable and necessary purposes, and I applaud her for this, we want to see what Jesus says to her. Let's see what Jesus says. Luke 10, 41 through 42. It says, but the Lord answered her. He said, Martha, Martha. Jesus usually only calls people twice when he's like trying to call them out for something, usually. In this case, I don't think that's the case. I think he's trying to get her attention. Martha, 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 right? You're anxious and you're troubled about many, many, many things. But one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. The message translation says, Martha, dear Martha, you're fussing far too much and getting yourself worked up over nothing. That's where many of us are. Many of us are here. We go hard day after day, month after month. We're worried, we're upset, we're anxious, we're troubled, we're fussing. Every stain, every school project, every surprise becomes this cause for panic, right? And even living within our purposes like Martha was doing can sometimes overwhelm us. And so the words of Jesus still ring out to us and says, you're freaking out. But only one thing is needed. Mary's found it. She's sitting at my feet. She's learning. She's listening. She's worshiping. Your purposes aren't necessarily wrong, but there's one thing that's best. That's what Jesus is saying to Martha, and that's what he's saying to us. See, Martha isn't doing anything bad. She's just being pulled away from what's better. Kevin DeYoung said she's so busy with dinner that she's giving Jesus her spiritual leftovers. So if someone, and this is a boo, man. This is one that's going to define your whole day, right? Here it is. If someone were to record your life for a week, everything in your life for a week, and then showed it to strangers to study, what would they determine was the one thing you have to get done every day? You don't have to answer that out loud. Think about it in your mind. If they were to study your life for a week and every day they're watching your cycle, get up, whatever, all the things you got to do, and you come back and you do it all over again, what's the one thing you have to get done every day? Are we so busy that we give Jesus our leftovers instead of finding our purpose in him and making him a priority? Now I'll show you why this is important. Studies show that it's that over time, you become the average of the 12 people you spend the most time with. Let me say that one again. (laughs) Studies show over time, you become the average of the 12 people you spend the most time with. I think that means I'm becoming a nine-year-old. I'm pretty sure that's what it means for my life. For some, which might be a good thing. I don't know. For some of you, maybe, maybe it means you're becoming a cat. I don't know what it is, but hopefully you got smart cats. All right. But you become the average of the 12 people you spend the most time with. That's a fact. That's going to happen over time, right? And here's what we all do. We get busy. We get overwhelmed. Life gets crazy. We get in debt. We struggle in relationships. And then we play the blame game. And sometimes we even have the audacity to blame God, right? And then he'll di- and, and what happens is you say, man, I don't know why things are going the way they are. Why are you letting this happen to me? Here's the thing. He didn't get you in the mess you're in. You two aren't even hanging around each other. You become the average of the 12 people you spend the most time with. Don't blame God when you're not anywhere around for your th- stuff. Say, why is my life the way it is? I want to look in the mirror first. Look at who you're hanging around with. Look at the fact you might not have purpose, priority, and plans. 
Look at the way you're overwhelmed with little things and can't focus on big things. He didn't get you in this problem, but he is there to fix it. That's the beauty of God. We read today before we served this morning as we're getting ready to break out into groups, and we said, we read Psalm 116, verse 5 through 6 and 7, and it said that grace, God is gracious and merciful. When we are low, he is there to lift us up. That's what God does. God is so awesome that he says, even though you haven't been around me and even though you blame me for your failures and mistakes, even though you're so busy and so overwhelmed, you complain to everybody you talk to but don't do a single thing about it, I am still there for you. Even when everyone else wants to tell you to hush and go away or wants to shut you off and wants to push you out of their lives because they're tired of hearing you're complaining, he is still there. He is still there. And all that's required for us is to get close, to understand your purpose is found in him and to make him a priority instead of giving him whatever you got left over. See, God has given us all 24 hours. It's the only resource in this life that is distributed with perfect equity. And with all those hours, we do what we think most, is most important. Carrie Newhoff gave this great quote. It stuck with me all this week. I was continuing to think about it. He said this, Stop saying you don't have time. Start admitting you didn't make the time. Mm. See, I can tell you to I'm blue in the face that the key to freedom for busyness is to reorient your life and your time around Jesus first. But if you don't believe it, you won't act on it. We arrange our lives around what we think is best. And if we don't think spending time reading, praying, Spending time with people moving in that same direction, loving God with all our heart, our mind, and soul, and strength, and loving others above ourselves. If we don't think that's the best way to spend our lives and our time and our purpose and our priorities, we won't do it. I'll guarantee it. But if you're ready to break free of the busyness, I got good news for you. It only takes one thing. One thing. You don't have to break years of bad habits and cycles all at once to do this. Charles Duhigg, in his book called The Power of Habit, argues that people can change every pattern. Listen to this, this is crazy. Every pattern in your life, you're thinking, man, I gotta solve all these problems in my life. I gotta change all of my daily habits, rearrange my whole life to be able to focus on the one thing and find my purpose and do all this crazy stuff you're asking me to do. No, you have to do one thing. In his book, The Power of Habit, he says you can change every pattern in your life by focusing on one pattern. He calls it the keystone habit see, if you concentrate on one specific habit instead of all the others that puts us in cycles of busyness, you're going to be more likely to be more successful in not only changing the one thing you're focusing on, but changing everything else around it. Let's say you place loving God and others in your top three to five purposes. And as priorities, you list spending time reading and listening to the word, praying, tangibly expressing his love to one person each day. That's your three priorities and that one big purpose. You put that in your life as the one thing you're going to focus on, the one big purpose each and every day you live. And if that becomes your one purpose, you're going to be determined to accomplish it every day, so much so that you're probably not going to spend time wasting an hour on TikTok. You're probably not going to be stressed, so stressed out about the state of your house and you're going to be more concerned about people who can't even afford one. You're going to probably realize all those after-work emails aren't as important as you once thought they were because there's a bigger thing going on around you that goes outside of your life. You would probably, no, most definitely, become more like Jesus. More patient, more thoughtful, and more loving. And you would see that in light of eternity and God's plans for us, our plans and our purposes are small and short-sighted. See, we won't say no to more craziness until we say yes to more Jesus. That's the bottom line. My wife, I'll give you one final example before we get ready. And this was so good because I had spent, I don't know how many hours, a lot of time. I put a lot of time into this message. And I was reading a book about time because I got more stuff to talk about next week when we talk about stress, right? And so we're going to get into more. And so I'm really immersed in all these things, right? And really going back over this Martha and Mary thing and really diving in. And my wife comes back and she says, I got to go to the church because I got to have an hour free from the craziness. And she says, uh, after this conversation, by the way, she says I could use her as an example. So I'm not doing anything she didn't give me permission to do, all right? I normally don't use my family, but she gave me permission. 
So she came back. She said, I've been spending an hour, and, and I've been getting my meal plan together. I've been doing faith kid stuff. I've been, she lists three or five or uh, lots of stuff she's trying to accomplish distraction-free in this one hour out of the house, right? So she can actually accomplish stuff, right? And she comes back, and she says, I'm tired, right? I don't want to go order the groceries, right? I don't want to sit and cook the meal for tonight. I just want to sit outside because it's a great day, and I just want to rest. I just want to chill out on my Saturday. And so we launch in to time and time management because I got all this good information, right? I'm like, man, I got so much good stuff for you because I just covered all this this week and I've been working through it and thinking through it myself. Let me tell you how you can better spend your time so you're not tired and so you're ready to do all these things. I was pumped. I was like, yes, how can I help my wife, right? And she gets to the end. I give her all this spiel and everything I give her. I say, hey, have you tried this? And she says, yeah, I tried that. Whatever, it didn't really work. I said, have you done this? And she's like, yeah, I've done this. She says, here's the thing. She says, when you tell me that I need to eliminate all these things, when you tell me that I have to align my purpose, when you tell me, we'll talk about green zone time next week, when you're talking about how I have to live focused time and doing all these things, when you're trying to explain all to me, what you're telling me is that I have one more thing to do. And I'm already overwhelmed. And so the odds are I'm not going to do that other thing because I don't have time to do it. And so I appreciated her honesty because here's the fact. I can tell you all these things. I can list out all the things that is going to free you from busyness. I can tell you with almost 100% guarantee that your life will be infinitely better off because of it. But if all you hear is that, man, I got a lot more stuff to do and I can't do it because I got too much to do already. I, that's so, so overwhelming. I can't even think about my purpose. That's way too deep. I'm like right up here and, and you're like so deep. I can't even get down to that level. If you think that you can't even get there, you won't. And you'll stay in cycles of busyness. That's why I love Carrie Newhoff's quote. Stop saying you don't have time. Start admitting you're not making time. Because if you don't believe what I'm saying, if you don't believe the words of Jesus that says one thing is necessary, that Mary has a good portion, not just a portion, a great portion, the only thing we really should strive for to sit and learn and worship and, and just lay, our feet, lay at the feet of Jesus and soak him up so that we can carry him out to others. If that is not our thing, if you don't believe that, you're not going to change anything. You're going to stay in the cycle you're in. The only way... We say no to more craziness is by saying yes to more Jesus. That's it. And doing it together. She came back to me after. She said, that's too much. I'm overwhelmed. I can't do this. Well, all the stuff you're saying, I, I'm, I'm just not gonna be able to do it. And I said, we all have excuses. I'm honest with my wife. And sometimes that gets me in a lot of trouble. All right. I'm more honest with her than I am with y'all. All right. So sometimes y'all come up to me, we talk, we have questions and I'm, and I'm appreciate you're not as raw and honest with me. Cause I could use this too. But I, I tell her, I said, we all have excuses, dear. You started, start admitting you, you don't make the time. And I'm not telling that because I want to beat her down. I'm telling that because I want to see her break free. I'm saying it because I need somebody to tell me that. Because I get trapped in the same stuff. And Jesus is saying, live abundantly and live full and live busy. You're not going to do both. And so she came back to me after. She said, you know what I need? She said, I need you to do it with me. She said, I think I could do it, but I need you to do it with me. And I think that's our answer here. So as we get ready to wrap up, first, if you're seeking today, if you're one of those people who are like, Jesus, I can do all those other things. And matter of fact, you can, by the way. Eliminate all those little things. Focus on your purpose, priorities, and plans. You can get less busy, but I guarantee you, you can, you can still fill your life with a bunch of other things that aren't ultimately going to give you any more value if you're not focusing on the one thing, which is loving God and then loving others as a result. So if you're seeking this morning and you're thinking, I, I can do those other stuff, but I'm not sure about this Jesus thing or about loving God and love others. What does that really mean? I don't really know. Lean into that first. Continue to come here because if you think it's all above you, you're wrong. God is here. Jesus is here to connect with you right here in this moment. He is not above you or beyond you. He is here with you. And he's asking you to respond to him as he says one thing is necessary. Will you do it? 
So if you're here and thinking, I'm not sure, stick with us, continue to come week after week. Don't fall away. Don't say, it's not, I don't know, it's just too much. Stick with us. If you've got questions, we'll answer and ask them of each other and try to figure this out together our best we can and just live our lives following Jesus. That's all we're doing as a church. We're imperfect people following a perfect Savior. That's it. And so keep doing that. But if you're already and you say, I need that one thing. I've lived my life in the busy cycle and I'm done. It's done me in. But I'm ready to be set free. We're going to give you an opportunity to choose that in just a minute. For believers and for everyone, again, this is not just, this part is for everybody too. I want to encourage you. I want to utilize a couple of resources we got. I quoted a lot from them this week or this morning. One is, is Crazy Busy by Kevin DeYoung. It is, I love the tagline, a mercifully short book about a really big problem, right? So if you don't like to read, it's not that long, all right? Uh, and if you do, you'll finish it in like half an hour or something. It's really, really short, but it's really good. And it helps us to refocus it back on that one thing. I love this book as I read through it this past couple of weeks. And the other is going to help you if you will need help organizing. If you're like me, I need templates. I need, don't just tell me about purpose, party, and plan. I don't get that. I need you to give me like a, a sheet that I can fill out because I'm like a kindergartner and I don't need like lines, right? And so uh, she does that for you, which is great. She gives you uh, a bunch of different ways to do that. She gives you a little thing where you can, you probably can't see it, so I'm sorry, but it gives you a purpose and parties. You can list all these things out. And uh, it's really helpful to have a little template to work off of instead of just trying to do it on your own. And it's filled with a bunch of other things, a bunch of other things. And so it's called Take Back Your Time, Morgan Tyree, great. She has a whole website, of course, because who doesn't these days? Uh, so you don't have to get into all that, but it's a great book to start on that journey. And so these are free for you, all right? So this is, these are copies I've used, but you're more than welcome. I didn't spit on them or spill them or do anything on them, okay, I promise you. Uh, so you can have these. If you would like them and they're already gone by the time you get to me today, I will buy you copies, okay? I'll buy you however many. You want to give them away? I'll buy you more copies to give away, all right? So don't think you can't get them. They're here to have as well, all right? So make sure you know these are available. We'll have a lot more to give away over the next few weeks, but those are the two for this week. And as you're doing that, I want you to do it together, right? Because some of us aren't planners, and some of us don't want to do this. And so what I want to encourage you to do, if you hate the idea of writing anything down or thinking that hard, I want you to find somebody in your life that doesn't mind and, I'll, and that loves you enough to put up with your stubbornness and do it with you. All right? That's what I want you to do. Because some of you aren't there. But some of you have someone in your life that will walk through that process with you. And you need them to do that so you can do it together. So that's what I want to encourage you to do. I also want to encourage you to focus on changing that keystone habit. What's that one thing you can do each day instead of work or house cleaning or getting wrapped up in family drama and spend more time loving Jesus and loving others? One habit, one day at a time. Let's close in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, that you, God, have laid out for us the one thing we need. And so, Lord, right here, right now, before we get any further, Lord, I know you're already calling out to people today who are seeking, who are like, man, I'm busy, 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 but I'm ready to break free. And you're, you're the answer starts and ends with you, Jesus. And so today, God, I pray, Lord, those that are seeking you who are like, man, I'm ready to do that, just one thing, just to start following this Savior who has time for me. In my messed up life, he has time for me then today, Father, I pray they do that and, and pray they pray this prayer with me as we go through it together to say, Lord, thank you. Thank you, God, for just taking my mess, for forgiving me for all the times I haven't been doing the one thing, which is focusing on you and, and loving others as a result. Thank you for accepting me in my mess and my busyness and my crazy stressed out life and saving me from it. God, help me today to focus on just you if there's only one thing I do each day, God, let it be to reorient my whole life just around following you and watch as all the craziness starts to fall away. God, I thank you for that promise that you've given us. Lord, I thank you for those prayers. God, I thank you for those who, have, who are engaging with that moment right now to say, man, there is that one thing I need beyond all others and are entering into that moment right now, Lord. God, I pray that as a church, as a tribe, as a family, Together, Jesus, 
God, that we live each day with that one thing in mind, that we remind each other of necessity, that one thing, that when stress overwhelms us, that when busyness overtakes us, that when work is an addiction, that when screens are over or just taking up our lives, God, that we'll step into each other's lives and say, just focus on one thing today. The house cleaning, that, that offense that's been happening, that, that, that relationship that's messed up, those are gonna get fixed if and when we focus on this one thing, God. So I pray, Lord, that you help us as a church to encourage one another in that process. Lord, that we love you, but we love each other just as much to be able to be honest with each other, to help find our purpose together, to prioritize our life together, to even maybe jot down some plans together of how we can break free of busyness and break into abundant life with you. God, I thank you that you're gonna walk that road with us each step of the way in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to thank you guys so much for sticking with me through a long message, all right? I didn't want to cut a bunch of stuff because all of it's so, so good. Again, I will encourage you to pick up these. If you want them online because you can't come and grab them this morning physically, uh, let me know. I'll send you the link to them. Again, if you want them purchased, I'll purchase them for you. I want you to make sure you have them if you want these resources, okay? Awesome. So make sure you're doing that online with us. Thank you for being with us through the end. Uh, online and in person, make sure you're sharing this when you get home with someone who maybe is busy, maybe is really crazy busy. How can they break free? This is a good start. Now, although I give you a lot of information, so if you got overwhelmed at any point and said, I don't know if I can keep up, we're on YouTube. Go back to that YouTube video, and then you're going to be able to go back and just take this a bit at a time. So make sure that you do that as well. Highly encourage that. And we'll see you guys online either Thursday at 630 for prayer meeting or next Sunday for 10 for uh, uh, our Sunday experience again. And thank you for being with us this week.